0: Welcome to the National Democratic Institute's Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. In these candid conversations recorded from home, politically active women from around the globe interview each other about the male-dominated world of politics. They're the best examples of why we need to move faster to reach political parity between men and women before the middle of the next century and change the face of politics. In this episode, Nora Norala, Egyptian LGBTQI activist, interviews Birgitta Olsen, former member of parliament and minister in Sweden and current director for political parties at NDI about her experience fighting for gender equality and LGBTQI rights in Sweden and what it takes to be a strong, resilient, and influential leader today.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Changing Faces of Politics podcast series. My name is Nora Nourallah. I am an Egyptian activist for Egypt's QI rights and gender equality. My guest today is uh, Birgit Olsen. Birgit is a former member of the Parliament in Sweden, also served as a, the Minister of European Affairs, and she currently serves as the Director of Political Parties at the National Democratic Institute. I am looking forward to have this conversation today because I am amazed by your work and like uh, everything that you have done so far and the steps and the risks that you have taken.
2: Thank you, Noor. It will be a great conversation, and I also admire your work, um, and yeah, I think we need uh, more persons like you in, in, in not only in the global politics but also moving the authoritarian regimes um, uh, to a more freer society for all.
1: Thank you a lot, Laya. we will have a very interesting conversation for our uh, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so last year we celebrated the 25th anniversary of the Beijing co- uh, conference and uh, the platform for action in that conference. Uh, what do you think that has changed for women in politics uh, and uh, political leadership for women and their decision making in the last twenty five years? Do you think it stayed the same or did it change?
2: Yeah, that's a very good question, and and I, I would say I, I would quote our chairperson at NDI and former State Secretary Melin Ulbright. Um, I think she once said that. Female politicians are kind of bumping against a glass ceiling or rising from a dirt floor, and I think we're still doing that in all parts of the world. And uh, even if we live in more kind of gender equal countries or in, in really authoritarian regimes, I think we're we're we're, we're facing many challenges. And and uh, just going to, to to statistics, I always say that the numbers are the best friend that a feminist can have, and. Um, Right now we have like 25% um, um, women in the global parliament. So that's kind of embarrass- embarrassingly low. Uh, and it will take, I think it's like 50 years before we will reach gender parity in, in parliaments in the world. And if you look up on the highest level, uh, only 13 countries in the world, 13 countries have a woman as head of government. And that will take 130 years for women to be equal to men. Um, And also, I mean, think around 20% of the government ministers in the world are women and they mostly hold positions uh, as family, children, youth, elderly and so on, social affairs. I think we we still have a lot to do. (laughs) And um, I mean, in my country and in Sweden and in countries like the United States and the Netherlands, we're now celebrating 100 years with democracy. And all these three different countries never had a woman as a president or prime minister. So I think um, the feminist fight, uh, it needs to continue um, all over the
1: world. Yes, it's, it's uh, very interesting that even the countries that had started the fight early still need to fight longer. So. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, so you're a politician like, uh, uh, or, maybe identify yourself as something else. What motivated you to get politically involved? Were there a personal connection, maybe a, a political party or a, a family member that influenced that?
2: Well, I, I grew up in a very kind of uh, liberal family when it comes to, to values, um, so I had kind of a political environment around me. My, my father was a very strong feminist, so he encouraged me to be more radical and uh, my mother was also very kind of dedicated when it comes to issues on solidarity and, and, and equality. But I was also a very kind of quiet person. Also, up until I was like in high school, I was kind of a typical, uh, we say in Sweden, cushion girl, you know, a very quiet girl that you put in between two very unruly boys in the classroom and she should calm them down. And I, I said almost like nothing when I was in school. And, and so, my the friends that i met in school my 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 classmates they were quite surprised when they 20 years later <laughs> met me in politics and they could see me on tv and so on so i i, I kind of came out when it came to politics kind of late uh, it's still young from the global level i was like 19 years old or so when i joined a political party but but uh, then my journey was kind of quick um, Uh, and so on and um, for me my parents always told me that if if you want to change the world you need to kind of start with yourself um, and you need to say yes to power so that has been kind of my mantra all the years encouraging uh, young women to say yes to power you can i mean you can regret it later uh, but you need to kind of uh, be more kind of straightforward and and uh, uh, i have two young daughters myself seven years old and 11 years old and sometimes i kind of promote um Disney feminism for them because Walt Disney once said, if you can dream it, you can do it. Uh, so I think that's also very important. Uh, we need to create role models from, from all different parts of the society and all different types of women um, need to be represented out there for young girls, no matter who they are, to 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 recognize and to follow. So that's extremely important for me. But but um, I wasn't very vocal as a child, I was
1: super shy and and, and so on. Well, to come late to the game is better than not coming at like, you know, all. <laughs> we're, we're we're also glad that you came in, into to the game, even if it's late.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, that's true.
1: So, uh, in your uh, uh, like uh, opinion, like why is having more women and girls enge- engaged in politics is important? Like, what impacts of their engagement have you seen? Like, uh, do you have an example like that you see as important to share with us?
2: Well, I think right now we're kind of living in the Greta Thunberg era, and yes, when it comes to to working on climate issues, if you look around the world, you have my fellow sweet Greta Thunberg here, and you have Vanessa Nakate in in, in Uganda, and you have all these different strong young ladies pushing for one of the most important issues that we need to deal with, and um, I think that really shows that, that that women make an impact in civil society as elected um, uh, officials uh, uh, in business life and 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 all around the world and and um, and I think especially when it comes to two very burning political issues that we need to deal with right now. We're, we're the last generation, maybe to save the planet, but we're also the first generation after Second World War to to face a, a democratic backlash. And and here I think that that women are extremely important. And and also through the last years, uh, uh, female politicians have been extremely successful in kind of um, this moment of flux. Uh, We've seen the the different revolutions in in the world, in Sudan, Ala Salah, a young woman, um, uh, took one of the leadership, she was a young student leader. We see it in in Belarus right now, um, where the trio, um, which was Svetlana, Tishkoka and others, um, are strong women um doing a lot of brave activities to 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 get rid of dictatorship so I think we see a lot of young women that, and women all ages um, that are engaging in politics and, and, and do have a lot of impact, even though we're, we're obviously in minority when it comes to, to,
1: to power. Speaking of women and like their attitude in politics, do you think that there is a different uh, in the way women and men lead and engage with others? Do you believe that there is bright examples on that?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a very, It's a very good question. I, I would say that women can be saints, but women can be devils too. But I think that, that uh, women do have a kind of different, I mean, experiences from men, not all women, but many women. And I think what we've seen out of history is that many issues like childcare issues or climate issues or or some human rights issues, women have been kind of the... The front runner, runners, um, and, and um, for example, if I'm I'm mentioning LGBTQI plus um, issues in my country of Sweden, um, I would say that many of the most kind of strongest advocates for that have been women um, from very different backgrounds, uh, starting that kind of revolution uh, in the parliament uh, and on the streets. In Sweden, we had a a queen uh, called Queen Christina. 400 years ago, I was I was quoting her because she's such a cool person. in, in a children's book I wrote um, a couple of years ago, and and uh, she resigned, so she left the royal family. She refused to get married. She moved to Rome. She changed her religion, and she was quite queer actually. And she said a very wise thing about this topic. She said. There are men who are as much women as their mothers and women who are as much men as their fathers, because the soul has no gender. And I think that's kind of radical, I guess, to say that 400 years ago, but but uh, I think you had something here that um, I think is extremely important to, to have a focus on, on on the individual. Also, we have the gender structures, we need to carry our glasses on with our gender lenses. But it's important also to see that uh, it's not only about gender, and uh, some men can be more kind of fierce feminists that, than 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 other women are. Uh, um, but women's experience uh, do matter, and that's also one of the big reasons uh, that we also need need more women into
1: politics. Yes, of course. Like uh, the dynamics differ from one person to another, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, and like for our next question, how do gender equality and democracy work together in your mind?
2: Well, I would say no woman, no change. Uh, women make up half of the world population or more in many countries. And I think in the time that we are living right now, it's extremely important to, to see how, how gender equality and democracy is kind of interlinked. Um, uh, and we live right now in a very kind of populist world. Um, it's very tempting for political parties and governments, uh, even in established democracies, uh, today, to blend this kind of toxic political cocktail on, on populism. And, and, and we know for sure that in all these different 50 shades of authoritarian leadership from the church to, to Orban and from Putin and the Ayatollahs in Iran and so on, we know that what do they have in common? Well, What do they have in common? They want to attack democracy. They want to attack minority rights. Um, they attack the LGBTQI plus community. They attack women. They attack people around. So I think that's also important to see that uh, if you want to defend democracy, you need to defend feminism too. And. Um, the first victims for authoritarian leadership I mean you know that yourself very well I mean and that's always minorities and and also women are not definitely not a minority but uh, they are very vulnerable and and this old old stereotype very sad uh, gender ideals and um, wanting to, to to throw society back 50 or 60 years back or so um, connected to sometimes religion, sometimes uh, conservative ideals and so on. So I think we need to do a lot. Uh, and you can not only, you know, discuss how to defend democracy without building this kind of um, guerrilla war strategy around the world with agents of change and, and identify your allies, your friends. It's, it's a global fight that we need to take together.
1: It is indeed a global fight and a long fight it is. During this long fight and your long political uh, career, did you like have anything that really surprised you And like, what have the pluses and the minuses for you?
2: Well, I think definitely um, uh, on the plus side, I I would say, Dendi, I will very much talk about meaningful power, to have real power. And I could feel when I was a minister and a member of parliament that I had real power and I had a a strong support from the voters in my constituency, so I could be kind of an independent politician. And taking a lot of fights uh, inside my party also to 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 promote the values, liberal values that I thought was very close to my heart. Um, so so that was extremely important. But of course, the minus side is always like the hate that you get as a politician. Uh, and and um, I mean, I, I I was active in one of the most kind of solid democracies in the world, Sweden, and we were respected for gender equality and so on. But but the harassment uh, and harassment is of course i mean it's much it's much worse you know, third chair in authoritarian dictatorship countries uh, war torn countries and so on but it's still a global phenomenon and and uh, and, and that was something that i think that uh, that um was very kind of um alive also for me every day i mean every every morning when you wake up you read your emails and you have full of threats and hate and most of them are anonymous but not all of them and and uh, you also get kind of used to this um, random man calling you nasty names on the street when you go to your job, or you're, they are belittling you in front of your young daughters. I once read this kind of fake Twitter thread, um, and it looked like uh, it was like looked like it was like breaking news, but obviously not. But that I just had been shot outside the parliament building. You know all these people that are really trying to. Be nasty young female politicians uh, for them to leave politics, and um, and I think that's something that we need to discuss more. Um, how to avoid getting thick-skinned, how to deal with the self-silencing, and and how to kind of maneuver yourself in this very, very kind of toxic culture that that we have in the in the world. The, the kind of the locker room culture uh, that some male politicians even on the highest level are, are, are using talking about the highest level in politics I mean through the years we've heard world leaders like like uh, saying things like on women like uh, Duterte in the Philippines that uh, we should shoot them in the vagina uh, some women are too ugly to rape and we heard in, in one of the election campaigns in the United States quote from most of the former American president Donald Trump and so on so the language and the situation and the threat and violence for women, I think uh, we need to focus much, much, much more on that. I had a very strong moment myself when it comes to this, and that was uh, 11 years ago. and I was, I was seven months pregnant uh, with our first daughter, and I had been asked to give a, a speech at the first big human rights march for LGBT, LGBTQI plus people. Uh, in the neighboring countries here in the East. Uh, and I had been following this, uh, this um, uh, LGBTQI plus movement for many years. I had a strong commitment to them. Uh, i had been visiting them so many times. Uh, but I also knew from the security service that some extremist groups had advanced plans to kill me. If I was going to to go and 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 give my speeches, this this, this Pride Pride March, um, so I had long conversations with my husband and with my staff and when the, with the activists, and everyone told me that we will respect your your choice because I mean you're you're seven months pregnant and and uh, and it's a very risky risky environment for you. But I, I went there. Um, I went to to Lithuania and I held one of the strongest speeches (laughs) uh, in in my life and we were surrounded by thousands of uh, religious and uh, political extremists, uh, but also many people that supported us. uh, I felt that was very strong to kind of see that, uh, that sometimes you, you need to do something really strong to, to promote the values that are closest to your heart. And, and I sometimes tell my daughter, she's now turning 11 years old next week about, about this March. And she was like, it was good that you went out there supporting the good ideas for me and my, 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 my friends in the future. So, so um, that was a good moment.
1: It's a very happy moment as well, like ended the yes. a very ha- happy note. <laughs>
2: Yes, yes,
1: <laughs> and uh, and of course, like the minuses come with a lot of challenge And like the challenges, well, you can tell us a bit more about like the challenges that you have faced, and how do you think like what actually works to increase the number of women in political leadership and advocacy?
2: I think at NDI we, we talk very often about the, the free C's, and that's um, uh, what women kind of lack when it comes to being successful in politics. So, women lack the like capacity, they like confidence, and they like connections. So that's some of the things that I think that we really need to work with and and also working on both on individual level, but also, of course, when it comes to to tearing down all the conservative structures around the world and and so on. And we also know that that, uh, we know the three things that are stopping women as leaders and politicians, and that's actually the parties themselves, and it's about campaign financing, lack of money, and also violence. Uh, so I think when we're dealing with these things, uh, I think it's far more easy to 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 get more women into into leadership and and to um, and advocacy for 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 the feminist issues and other issues that women uh, are, are, are are putting emphasis on. But what I've seen through the years um, uh, is that I think it's very important uh, not only to talk about. Um, uh, when it comes to female politicians to talk about the leadership positions itself. I think it's important also to kind of discuss uh, the realities in society. I mean, most in most countries we still have a family structure that is based on a model where, where women take the major responsibility for children, and unho- uh, um, unpaid household work, etc. And, and of course that gives women fewer opportunities, less money, less power. So I think that's always important to see that if, if women still are financially dependent on their partner, it's also harder for them to get active into politics, but also harder to leave an abusive relationship. I mean, that's not like rocket science and uh, so on. So, I think we need to, when we want to have more women into politics and political parties, we need to work on, on all different levels in society. One thing is to putting pressure on the political parties to have more women on the lists to, to get elected in the elections, but also to, to look at the, at the society as a whole. And um, that's extremely important for me when I work on these issues.
1: There's new challenges in this world now, like that emerging out of the pandemic. Like, do you think that COVID, like the crisis have influenced or changed your political viewpoints? Uh, do you have examples on, on that? And also, have you changed the way you interact with others politically because of the social distance and the, the COVID virus in general?
2: I mean, of course, I mean, we, we lived in a virtual, virtual world since, since March uh, last year, 2020, uh, and so on. But I think we should definitely... Use the different things that have happened that women have suffered a lot from um, um, to, to create real change. Uh, and uh, uh, I sometimes say the, the, the three L words here. Uh, and the first one is definitely leadership. I mean, we have, everyone knows that through the pandemic, women that have been leading countries have had a staunch kind of response to the pandemic. Uh, female heads of governments in Germany, Norway, Finland, Taiwan, New Zealand, and others, they kind of smash these stereotypes about political capabilities of um, women and also been great great role models for, for good governance. So that, that's one thing. But also when it on the other L's on life, I mean, we've seen the lockdowns in countries across the world, they've affected families in a number of ways. Uh, we've seen the gender-based violence, um, dramatic, very sad increase, and also all these women having the online learning, homeschooling and everything. And also last but not least, the other L is labor. of the world's healthcare workers are are women. So so what I want to to see after the pandemic, uh, uh, I would like to see like a global feminist roar, uh, or at least kind of a a wake up call for political parties to to give space to women. And uh, I mean, it would be so sad, I think, if not the pandemic um, would have a feminist impact at all, because women have been suffering have been suffering the most during the pandemic and taking a, a lot of responsibility I mean in in my country of Sweden we we have we have reached um, a very long way when it comes to gender equality but still we have a lot of big salary gaps especially women working as nurses medical doctors uh, working in the healthcare sector are not earning earning a lot and there's still many of them have long academic education and so on so but I hope that this could prioritize these things um, and being this kind of feminist
1: roar for, for, for real change. Real change is something we all need in the end, like when we need to adopt. Like and I guess in politics like like anything else we're all adopted to this COVID virus in the end. So like in, in your in your op- opinion, like what will you do to accelerate the pace of change of uh woman political empowerment in the next 10 years?
2: That's a very good question. And and um, and, and also European countries are very different. I mean um, even though I would say if we look upon statistics, the, 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 it's still the best place in the world to be born as a, as a young girl would be in, in, in Western Europe because, uh, um, I mean, the, the five countries topping the list uh, when it comes to, I mean, everything from health, from from, from education, from leadership and so on uh, would be maybe the Nordic countries and, and some of the others uh, in, in the Western parts of Europe. But but also it, it, it's enormous gaps between countries. We also have some European countries that have, uh, I think, around them, only like fifteen percent women in parliament, and that's that's lower than than many countries in other parts of the world. So it's not like the West is always best. Uh, many countries still need to kind of step it up and and to understand that that politics is like, it's like running a marathon. You need to you need to you need to work with gender equality every single day to to get kind of the 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 longer results and uh, and so on. But I think it's important, as I mentioned before, to continue to work with the basic uh, gender equality things: um, that women are economically t- independent from their partners, that you have a good healthcare system, that you have a good childcare system. A lot of different welfare issues. They are as important, I think, as just working on and um, get, getting rid of obstacles to get more women into politics. I, I would say that that um, it, it starts in the family, and it starts very early. It starts very early.
1: It's very early but you honestly you seem very optimistic uh, and uh, that's something that we all need I believe and like something that uh, I admire that you managed to stay optimistic and engage with uh, this uh, long process but speaking of optimism what are you the most optimistic about?
2: Well, I've always been a feminist optimist, and I think we need to acknowledge sometimes when it's feeling really sad and really slow, and you're almost near to, to giving up. Um, uh, we need to realize that that uh, we've done a tremendous journey. I mean, in most most all countries in the world, when it comes to opportunities for 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 girls and and for women, and um, I always tell about my, my grandmother Betty. Um, she was born 1912 uh, in in the northern parts of Sweden, and she went to school less than two years. I think she was in school like 1.5 years or so. And she started to work as a full-time worker at the farm before she turned 10. Turned 10. And when I was 10 years old myself, I realized that she couldn't spell very well from the postcards that she wrote because um, you cannot get that many words into a postcard, but I could see that she had some challenges and, and a very short short time in school. Uh, but one of the most important lessons she taught uh, me and my mother and my my other cousins and so on was definitely to 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 see that the the future will definitely be more bright uh, than her her life was i mean my own daughters they have enormous freedom compared to her and even if my grandmother barely left neighborhood in her lifetime and so on and my own daughters they they've already visited many countries and and uh, but they have another another lifestyle and so on I think it's important to see all of these, the, all the positive changes that we see in uh, almost all family stories around the world. And that's extremely important for, for politicians. If you cannot provide a more hopeful um, future for people, that people are feeling that their kids will have a more prosperous future, more liberty, more freedom, more openness, and so on, um, then I think quite many people will turn, turn to populist political parties. And the authoritarian leaders, they are really, are really surfing on this wave right now uh, to 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 create a very kind of negative negative future and and um, and so on uh, based on prejudice. So I think it's important to to see all the fantastic things that have happened in the world, even though it goes back and forth. And and uh, unfortunately, we are in the 15th, I think, consecutive year when it comes to back, backlash for the democracy in the world. You can also see all the fantastic things that 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 happened and and the. Uh, so I mentioned my, my, my grandmother, she spent less than two years in school and she got uh, nine, nine grandchildren and all of them have been studying at university. Uh, and I mean, that's just like two generations in Sweden and the story is the same in many countries. So I think we should be positive.
1: Every, everything is possible with this uh, attitude and energy that you're bringing here. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time for, to talk to us and, uh, and like uh, exploring all of these aspects with us. I would say personally, I am very inspired by all of the work that you are doing. and like I'm very sure that this long fight that you talked about, you are one of uh, the people who are in the front lines. So we are thankful for having you. And thanks again for taking the time to uh, talk to us about that.
2: And thank you, Nora. And I think I really also would like to take the opportunity to give a, a strong... Strong message to 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 all the LGBTQI plus activists around the world, and to also see that the enormous progress that we do every day. When I was ten years old, um, uh, in 1995, that was a long time ago. But but I, I could hear the Swedish Archbishop on, on TV, and he was telling that all the gay people they should stay in the closet. They should they should live in the in the closet for the rest of their life. And not that many years later, we had we had. Um, a revolution in my country when it comes to, 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 to gay rights. Um, but, but it's also kind of interesting to see that all the major uh, LGBTQI uh, reforms in Sweden From same-sex marriage to to, to transgender individual situation to uh, adoption issues and so on. All of these different reforms happened during the last 20 years. Uh, So it was a kind of a, it was a late journey, but a quick journey. And I'm pretty sure that many countries will walk in the same way when it starts to move.
1: It's a quick journey, like quick for some, long for others. But in the end of the day, it is a journey that we all have to take and uh, Absolutely. We, are, we are taken uh, currently and like uh, whether it's feminism or lgbtq rights or what uh, our other rights we are all in the same journey just in a different
0: way
2: we we are on the right side of history and let's yes. continue that fight
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the changing the face of politics podcast series To learn more about the series and NDI's initiative, please go to NDI's website at ndi.org.